This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk with me, Dan Clark. Now, uh, we have a brilliant guest with us today, Mr. Richard Gatt. He is an award-winning comedian uh, and uh, a proper proper actor, proper serious dramatic actor now. He just appeared in the, um, the BBC drama Against the Law, which was on BBC Two alongside Danny Mays, Daniel Mays and uh, Mark Gatiss and... Uh, some other brilliant actors. Um, we'll be talking about that. That's available on iPlayer at the moment. And uh, he is um, known for his brilliant one-hour shows that he takes to the Edinburgh Festival and uh, Soho Theatre tours. Uh, the last one, Monkey See, Monkey Do, is that correct? I think that's correct. Um, he uh, he won the Edinburgh Award, which is... I never know what that's called anymore because it, for year, for 20 years it was the Perrier and everyone knew it. And then... Is, is it the lastminute.com award? That's not got a ring to it, has it? That's not a sexy title. Anyway, he won that last year. He's taken that back up to uh, Edinburgh uh, this August. Uh, now, if you go on to... If you just Google Richard Gadd, Edinburgh 2017, I'm sure you'll find the dates. Um, and uh, we, we, we have a very... We pre-recorded that. I sort of weirdly do the intro after I've recorded it. Uh, and we have a lovely chat. Um, we'll be playing some of his choices in a second. Um, I just quickly wanted to say uh, a big thank you to everyone that listens. This show goes out at 12 o'clock on Fridays on foobarradio.com. Uh, the great team at Fubar uh, getting me some great guests this season. Uh, but it's also available as a podcast on iTunes. And if you do listen to it on iTunes, please rate the show because the more stars we get and the more people sort of pass it along, uh, the, the more this show grows. Um, so please do that for us. Anyway, this is uh, Richard's first song he picked from the film Trainspotting, the classic Born Slippy from uh, Underworld. Wow. Brings back a lot of memories. A lot of memories. Why? So uh, we have with us Mr. Richard Gadd. Uh, Richard, why did you pick that song in particular? I picked it because, well, I picked it for various reasons. I mean, I mean I'm a massive Trainspotting fan. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just an incredible film. Very inspired, very inspired by that film when I was when I was younger. Uh, and, is and that a, is, is there a Scottish uh, loyalty thing there? There's as a well? Scottish loyalty thing. There's is like there? being part of sort of like a secret sect of yeah. some sort. But um, you know, I, I suppose when I, when you grow up, you watch all the Disney stuff, the sort of Hollywood version of life. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you you hit with Trainspotting. It, it completely turned my world upside down. How old were you when you first I saw think it? I snuck a, a VHS, which I wasn't supposed to watch when I was as young as about 13. How old are you now, if you don't mind I'm, me I'm, I'm 27. Now. 27, so yeah, yeah, yeah. 13. Um, wow, that must have been quite an eye-opener. It was very daunting. I, I do remember the scene, you know, when the, when the kid's coming across the ceiling. Oh, he's, God, he, yeah. He's, sort of on his, he's on his uh, withdrawal, and he's sort of hallucinating. I remember that scarred me for, <laughs> for yeah, a very, that is very fucking, long time. Do you know what? Well, I, I, um, uh, I wanted to go and see the sequel... And my girlfriend was like, well, I want to rewatch the original because I don't, no. haven't seen it since it first came out or around that time. Yeah. So we rewatched it and A, it's still amazing. Oh, it's... But B, that scene with the, with the baby is just, I mean, it's still as terrifying as it was back then, you know? It's still as terrifying. Yeah. Um, it's such a good film. What did you think of the sequel? I thought the sequel was amazing. Have you, have you seen the sequel as seen well? The what, sequel. what did you think? 
I thought... Well, half of the sequel's the original. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's true. But it, that's true. I thought as far as... It, it would be impossible to sort of follow up Trainspot and, and do a better job, I think, because I think the, the first film was, was borderline perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think in terms of the sequel, and I think it, it never made any illusion that it wasn't anything other than a sequel. Yeah. It was like, this is a sequel to a very successful film, and I think as a, as a result of that, they put a lot of the original film in the, the, yeah, yeah. the, the sequel and sort of ad- admitted to the fact it was a sequel. I've never seen a press um, junket or, you know, like when all the actors and Danny Boyle were doing press, where they underplayed the film, where people, because yes. normally everyone goes, oh, it's great, we really enjoy it. And they're going, look, we know it's not going to be as good as the, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, it's like, yeah. that's the f- most honest press. But I, yeah. I, I, do you know what? I agree with you in the sense that there's no, why try and top that? Yes. When, yes. And actually, when I rewatched the original, it's like, there's no, there's, there's not really a story in the original, except for the very last third of it, where they yes. do the, 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 the drug thing. The only thing I was a bit disappointed with, with the sequel, was that it felt a bit like the whole film was in reference to the like as in like Begbie sort of was the villain chasing them and it was like yeah, really yeah. we're still like talk, talking about what happened 20 years ago yeah like, yeah oh. I sort of um, it was very interesting I, I really like what they did with the Begbie character in terms of sort of emasculating him yeah. you know, you know yeah, sort of giving good. him an erect, erectile dysfunction and mm. he was still the sort of I mean the scene when they're in the toilet you know and he, and he passes his Viagra back on them and they realise it's each other that's got to be one of the best scenes yeah. in cinema I've ever seen yeah. uh, there was just moments there, there were some elements of it that I uh, that, that, for example you know when he's doing a signature and there's like they, they sprinkle some of fairy dust across mm-hmm. the scene and there was there was uh, I mean Danny Boyle has got to be the best director in the world well, he, he probably is the, he is the best director in the world uh, but there were some scenes when I felt like there was perhaps they were throwing too much at yeah. the uh, you know shit at the wall shall we yeah, say yeah, and, yeah. and it did become overcrowded with sort of effects and stuff like little that little gimmicks and but, things but it was just so what did um, you think was about the film when you were 13 did you know, did you know about drugs and well I, I, when, I, when I was younger I, you know the top 100 films of all time came yeah. out on channel 4 and I think they printed it the next day in the paper so I, I cut it out because I was like well I really want to see all, all 100 <laughs> fil- best films of all time and I think I got through the majority of them and Trainspot was on it and I always remember my mum sort of looking down the list and saying you're not allowed to watch that one until you're a lot sort of older which of course <laughs> made me want to want to watch it more uh, and I knew they had the VHS and uh, it was the same with The Exorcist they didn't want me to watch that one as well mm-hmm. but, but of course I had to you know go into their, their, their VHS and, uh, and, and the, sort of watch I think it. The Exorcist yeah. will have less of an influence on a teenager than in terms of yeah. I don't think they'll all be running out to become exorcists <laughs> yeah. but you know like <laughs> yeah, the drug yeah, thing absolutely. might be There's a, yeah there was I mean I remember The Exorcist scaring the hell out of me as well yeah. like the bit where she comes down the st- stairs and I think yeah, she's yeah. in like a crab position on her back and stuff I mean but the, the train spot and I mean it, it sort of turned my world upside, upside down in a good way you know I, I, I think uh, you know, seeing something that was so sort of rough around the edges, intentionally, sort of tonally very different, stylistically very different. Mm-hmm. Hearing a Scottish voice on 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 a screen as well was yeah. was very, and it sort of gave me a sort of profound love were for you from British that, cinema. Were you from that part of where, where are you from? I was in about an hour north. I was from a, a, a place, uh, well, of Edinburgh. Uh, yeah, about yeah. an hour north of Fife. So I'm from okay. Fife. Fife yeah. uh, so about an hour north of Edinburgh. And, just it, it was just um, even though it's it's you know it's set in Gla- it's fil- a lot of it's filmed in Glasgow isn't it but mm. set in Edinburgh yeah. and, and so it was just it was just amazing to see a, a, a film that went completely against all the other sort of things that I'd seen you know yeah. on that list it was all the big Hollywood you know the Shawshank Redemptions which are fantastic and the Godfathers yeah. and all that but big Hollywood budgets yeah. and then you see this sort of well it's become massive now but what felt like a sort of indie film well was and it, was, it also was at a point which 
I think we will probably now look at anything pre-2001, yeah. you know, with obviously 9-11 and then the internet and everything. Anything up until that point is now such a sort of rose-tinted era. Yes. Because it was genuinely a completely different time where people didn't have yeah. the sort of life we live. So I look at that, even though there's like needles and overdoses and dead babies, yeah. I sort of watch it like a nice little Sunday afternoon movie, like, oh, this, yeah. I remember yeah. these days. This is yeah, there's so much nostalgia to that period. Because the yeah. spot came out at the same time, it's like, what was it, 94? 96 was it 96, was, yeah. so that so was just that whole brick fiction. So there yeah. was the Tarantino sort of that lock stock sort of... Very um, good time. It was just amazing time, the wasn't best it? times. No superhero movie in sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Which is weird, isn't it? That there was like yeah. one superhero movie every like four years back then. I and can now even remember one any. every week. Well, 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 yeah, there, there were some. So was they the were doing, the, obviously, the Batman ones that ended yes. in the disaster that was Batman and Robin with George Clooney was ha sort of happening. But oh, that was I kind remember. of it. Yeah, I remember that. was that. kind of it. Who was Robin again? Uh, Chris O'Donnell. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know why I thought, <laughs> for some reason, I got confused there and thought that there was some kind of weird crossover between Only Fools and Horses. I was going to ask if Rodney actually did make it into the <laughs> You know, I'm Robin, in that bro. scene. You're Do in you, the scene? I'm in that uh, Only Fools and Horses scene. Really? That's, Batman like the most and famous, Robin. that's the most famous scene of and all time. don't I know it with the royalties I get? I got a £4 royalty the other week. Did you? <laughs> for about, I was, that was the first acting job Is I ever Bex? did. You what? The Bex. Bex. Yeah, 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 that's Bex. <laughs> uh, first ever acting job I ever did. And I was yeah. a gang member who went, Oi, Gary! Uh, in that little scene Amazing. as they come running down the street. And for about a year, actually maybe about four years, I used to get these whopping great royalty checks. I bet. I mean, which, it was the biggest show, yeah. wasn't it? Like 10 million an episode. And because it was a clip that they played, obviously I get paid every time. Now, you know, there isn't as much money in that, that whole thing anymore. Yeah. But, um, Amazing yeah. thing to be, but what, what an amazing and scene to be a part of. I know, but also <laughs> the annoying thing is, is I've done shitloads of my own work, and still at like family gatherings or stuff, people go, "Oh, he was in Only Fools and Horses." I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I have done other stuff since." <laughs> um, so, where did you grow up in Edinburgh? What, what, how did you get into comedy? What was your whole? Well, well, in? I was a student at Glasgow University. Okay. And, and love Glasgow, um, by the way. It's amazing. amazing. Well, that's where you filmed How Not to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I. Uh, uh, yeah, I loved that show. I auditioned for How Not To. I auditioned for... I think I remember. Uh, Leonard House. Was that his name? I, I don't Le remember a Leonard House. Yeah, it was played by... Um Oh, it was played by Tom. Oh, Tom, someone. Oh God, what was that? Tom, was his name, name Leonard House? He, he was in the Christmas special. Yes. And he, he sort of screws Dan over and takes his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh um, God, I can't remember his name. Graham. Graham. Something. Tom. His name's Tom. Tom Meaton. But, but his name's him, yeah. Graham, like yeah, Graham yeah. House or something yeah. like that. Gra <laughs> Graham Length. Length, that length, was it. Graham uh, Length. Maybe yeah. you'll say come back to you. <laughs> uh, and I auditioned for that, I always oh, remember. And then, well, and then I remember tuning in. Oh, he got the role. And, yeah. I, and then I realised that he'd actually been in it about three times up until we that point. We sort of had this well. running joke that we wanted him to pop up in a as a different character in every series. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, because he was London based and sometimes we needed to get local. But I kept fighting. I was like, I just think it, like, because if we don't give him that part, he won't be in it at all and it's it's a sort of running yeah. joke and the the fans like see oh who is he this season yeah yeah <laughs> i think well well he smashed it he's, yeah. he's a great actor isn't he um, he's brilliant so sorry i totally took us off on a tangent there the, the so i grew up in edinburgh oh yeah and i got into i was at glasgow university and uh i went down to see a student comedy night there and 
I mean, and I, I didn't. I, for some reason, I thought comedy was sort of done by people who uh, were, you know, for, the people, the Billy Collins as well. Like forty, fifty, lived a life. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear from a, a, no. a seven, eighteen. And I was, I was right. They didn't want to hear from me at all. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, what I you got up and did just some stand up. Yeah, when I was about twenty-one, maybe twenty, twenty-one. Wow. But, but when I went along to the student union, I realised that loads of students were doing it, and then I realised loads of people my age were doing it, and then uh, I watched them, and, and, and they were really good. And I was like, um, I remember uh, Daniel. Sloss and Ian Sterling were, were the sort of big names then and I was like there are stand-ups in the, the, the 20 years I mean I think Daniel Sloss was about 18 at the time yeah. and he was incredible so I, I was really inspired to, to sort of do it but but I mean it was it was a tough few years of mm. really slogging away on the circuit doing because as you know the stuff I do is very weird yeah. so then try and do that at a sort of junglers on a Friday Saturday night it, it, it was disastrous I've, ha- I've had samurai deaths on really? stage yeah like I mean, I, well I remember seeing you last year and you just won the award in Edinburgh and they'd f- sort of, I, I want to say forced, but probably just heavily encouraged you to do, to appear in the yes. showcase of all the Edinburgh nominees and winners. Yes. But you God, were like, the show just doesn't work in when you cut it down to 20 minutes. It was a disaster. And then you had to walk out in front of sort of grey-haired people. Yeah. Well, it was it was the lastminute.com. So, so I think they sold it through the lastminute.com website. So so I think I think people who get last-minute comedy tickets are probably not the comedy sort yeah, of yeah. fans. Yeah. And so it was... I mean, it was it was awful. I remember going on stage, and the thing was, I think there was anticipation in there because a lot of the lastminute.com sponsors has come down to see, well, who, who won it? Who, yeah. who are we putting our, our brand to? I mean, it was the worst gig of my life. <sighs> I mean, Trent went on before me, and he blew the roof off the place, which also didn't help. Um, they had an unbelievable lineup, like Andrew Maxwell, like, um, was it Sarah Pascoe? I mean, unbelievable sort of yeah. comics, and who everyone will have heard of, and then, and then sort of me sandwiched in the middle. And it Also was, with, the, with the moniker of being yes. the winner and all yeah. that stuff that happens a lot in especially in Edinburgh I don't know if this happened to you but the night or the first show after you win the award I've never won it but from what I've heard people always have a terrible show the night after because yeah. you get a different audience all of a sudden all going yeah. oh what's this award winning comedian yeah the expectation was tough I mean I mean, I would say actually that the, I think I won the award and there was two shows left maybe three and I would say all of them were tough yeah. uh, and it had been, uh, it'd been pr- pretty maybe one or two dodgy ones but for the majority for the whole month they've been going really well and then Wednesday Ward and people come with a new sort of sense of expectation and, and, and your stuff really is not you know I've, I've seen your you've done three full length shows or four I've done four, four, four. now so yeah. I've seen two of them and I don't even think I've seen the most risky ones of your shows actually I yeah, think this probably yeah. last one that you're doing again yeah is probably the most out there was that oh, fair to oh, say without, yeah. without doubt and yeah. yeah I know that from seeing your stuff that you can't just have casual punters come you've got to be someone that's into yeah, yeah. A, you know like have the, ta- the similar tastes and stuff yeah, that's a really difficult yeah I've alienated some I mean I took it out on tour I mean Reading ooh they did not like the show <laughs> Coventry <laughs> didn't like the show well look if it's, if it's any consolation <laughs> I do stuff that's a lot more like down the middle and I still you still get to areas of the country where for some reason those fuckers don't like you <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. what it is but. oh I mean I, I had somebody come in late sit down for two minutes and then leave in Reading like after <laughs> two minutes at least he left uh, yeah, at least he left I mean there was I mean some of them have been, been real tough you know I've realised I've been before in my sort of Edinburgh fringe sort of Soho theatre bubble sort of basically playing to my own crowd yeah. and then when I took that on the road it was a whole whole different ball game but so there was, it, was, it was a sort of but that's a nice feeling to get to that point where you have your own crowd because yes, like you were just yes. saying about when you first got into it and you were doing gigs if you do left field or weird stuff or whatever it's the 
that very first few years that's hard because you, you haven't got the choice of doing an hour-long show and yeah. having an audience, which is the place to do your sort of stuff. Yeah. You've got to just do the rooms and yeah, yeah. <laughs> just hope that people come and hope that they like yeah. it. I'm glad that that slog's over. I, I sometimes yeah. think back of whether I would do it again. Like, you know, if, if something all went and then all of a sudden you needed to have a new life and a new act and it would all have to start again. I don't know what I could do no. it again. Why? Why it would was, you? It was Why such would a you go slog. That? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so then at what point did you, presumably at some point you went, right, I'm going to do the move to London. Is that right? Or, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I went, I, I, I did all this comedy and it, I, I sort of hit a, a dead end with it. I, I graduated from uni and I sort of hit a bit of a dead end with the comedy. It was only so far I could go on the circuit doing the stuff that was as weird as I did and I actually think the stuff I was doing back then wasn't good either so it was a double edged sword of being weird and not good so it just it wasn't yeah. working so I hit this dead end and I did a lot of acting at, at sort of uni and, and I, 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 I and I really by the way what did you study in um, oh I studied uh, English literature and theatre studies of course you um, did and so it was <laughs> it was uh, it was great it was great fun to do I, 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 I'm not sure how much I well like you use it it's sort of use yeah. it in everyday life but um uh, but but I, I decided I really sort of mixed. I did a lot of acting at school, and I decided, and I did a lot of acting at uni. I decided that I really did have a passion for it, so I went through the Oxford School of Drama and I did a sort of post grad course there. Okay. And then when when I graduated from there, I I moved to London to to try and have a have a crack of the whip. And you soon found yeah. out that the streets weren't paved with gold. Oh, they're not paved with. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure they're paved with anything. <laughs> it was um, London's a, a unique beast, isn't it? Oh, do you know what it's. Because you're in majority uh, LA now, aren't you? No, I'm not actually. I've, I'm here, but I, I go there a lot, and I still find this like my home. I definitely feel home uh, at home here. But it's yeah, it is weird. Sometimes I, I used to love it unquestionably, and yes. sometimes now I'm a bit like, oh, it's a bit of a slog. Isn't it's it? a slog. I moved down when the Olympics were happening. That really? was when I moved to London, so it was like this buzzy city, and yeah. I was like, I couldn't believe that it ever had a bad name. It was ever how could people say that this place was suffocating? But there was like an energy in the air when the Olympics were on, where everyone was. It wasn't like London; everyone was happy, everyone was coming yeah. for me. And, and then, then all of a sudden, it stopped, and then you sort of the sun went in, <laughs> yeah, and then you realised <laughs> that it rained for eight months. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're used to that from where you're from. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 not like even in Glasgow, where the weather is terrible a lot of the time. I've spent quite a bit of time there. It's like there's. It feels a bit more like you know you know people that people say hello to each other a bit more yes, and yeah. it's just too big London's too big yeah. and people come here and go why do, why do, why does everyone ignore each other it's like if you said hello to everyone you came across yeah, you'd be you knackered <laughs> by the end of the day <laughs> you get nothing done yeah. as well um, it's it's or, or beaten up <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and the, the opening the thing that I found recently that's really starting to get get on my nerves not to be a grouchy old man yeah. or anything but when you hold the door open for someone or you, you let someone you know there's a, 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 I don't know like a piece of pavement's too narrow and you let them through they just they walk just, through yeah. without saying anything it absolutely does yeah. my my does head my, my, my worst one is just when, especially if you're in busy parts of London or on the tube and someone just suddenly stops in front of you you <laughs> walk so into awful. the back of them then they look at you like it was your fault yeah yeah that, so. that's brutal that is yeah yeah brutal I don't know if it's brutal <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> um, people uh, I think there are p- p- people in other parts of the world I mean, who've got it brutal you know? <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's definitely uh, it's definitely um, first world problems that, yeah. that's the phrase um, so you soon at some at some point you went well, you know, maybe this whole gigging thing isn't my way. I'll write a show, a themed yeah, show yeah. or something. Is that the way? Yeah, it went? yeah. yeah. I, I, I graduated from acting school, uh, uh, and much like I'd hit the dead end with the comedy at the end of graduating from university, I'd hit the dead end with the acting at the end of acting yeah. school. I was sort of like, wow, what do I do now? 
Um, and so I decided to go up to Edinburgh and do a show. And I think I did a sort of work in progress of half hour show that year. And then the year later, I, I, I turned it into sort of full hour show. And it sort of went better than expected. And mm. I realized that I, I sort of enjoyed it. And when you get an hour, uh, it doesn't matter if the first joke comes about eight or nine minutes in <laughs> because mm-hmm. you sort of you it's sort of your space and you can sort of do what you want with it. And so I did. I did. So sort of two, three jokes an hour. Yeah, three jokes an hour. Yeah, I yeah. mean, some would say even one and a half. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but I did that show. It was called Cheese and Crackers, and it went quite well. And then it went to to the Soho for a bit. And uh, and I was still working in a bar the whole time. I mean, I only stopped working in a bar about a year ago. I would you, say it was about a year really? ago I stopped. Yeah, when yeah. I went to Edinburgh, that was when yeah. I stopped working in a bar. So You come up with quite nice, fun titles for shows that, yeah. you know, they're slightly misleading titles, they're, aren't they? They're too misleading. <laughs> like Cheese and Crackers was... Uh, was was a fun title, and I, th- I think at that point I needed something that would maybe grab people's attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Breaking Bad was the worst title. That was just, but people, you'd have all these disappointed Breaking Bad fans turning up and realizing. <laughs> and you I don't was mention it once. <laughs> yeah, don't mention it once, and I realized that I'm just talking about sort of. I think I can't remember the premise of that show, but it was basically about me trying. You to don't remember the premise to one of your own shows. Well, that one was really like all over the place, but but it was. Basically, you mean there wasn't a premise? Well, Is that was what you're really saying? If I, I think it was. I wake up and I've been knocked out, and then I've lost my memory. But then when I get my memory back, I realise that my family hate me and treat me badly growing up. So then I go and murder them. That's literally the premise of the yeah. live show. So I mean, all and over that the place. sort of thing doesn't go down well with the lastminute.com audience. <laughs> not at all. Not in any way. Murdering your family. Yeah. Uh, what point did you realise you were finding an audience through the Edinburgh scene and stuff that got your stuff? Um, I would say probably at the sort of end of Cheese and Crackles because I mean at the start we were performing to about seven people mm-hmm. you know and, and then and then we were in this terrible room with no partition to the bar and it, it was brutal but when, when that caught fire towards the end of the month it sort of it started to pack out a bit and it started to it started to so I would say at the end of that I started to get an audience but it was the same every year for the for, for the maybe probably waiting for Gaddles when I, I felt like I cemented an audience, which yeah. was the the show before the last one, which is sort of ironic considering you're not in it for yeah. A that's large probably part why they <laughs> probably why they came because I was only in it for five minutes, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was it was probably then. I mean, it, breaking Gad that the year after Cheese and Crackers was was the same old. So you performed to seven and then you performed to ten and then maybe back to six and then up to twelve and then you, yeah. it, it was the same. It felt like starting again each year, but then I would say waiting for Gaddo. Was, was the year where things started to come together a bit. Well, that's great. And uh, then obviously after that it was... Yeah, this one. Home, yeah. home run. Yeah, home man. run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, um, how... So I, I was watching the, the drama you were in. So you're in this drama that was out last night yeah, yeah, on yeah. BBC Two. You and Daniel Mays, who's a wonderful yeah. actor. He's unbelievable. Um, yeah. And a very nice guy, I hear. I've never met him. But really nice guy. Yeah, and uh, Mark Gatiss, who's a lovely guy. I've been a guest on the show, actually. The f- few other familiar faces. Um, this, is the sh- this was the drama that was about tackling the... 1950s yes. era of being an illegal homosexual, as he yes, pronounces yes, it in yeah. the show. And when did homosexual turn to homosexual, or is um, it should it always be homosexual? Uh, I, I'm actually not sure, but yeah. I think in the film they they say uh, hom hom homosexual. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not sure when when it sort of developed that slang term, but uh, but so you you did this. You're like one of the lead two characters in this show really yeah, yeah. slightly more from his point of view but yeah yeah it's, it's, it's more from, from Danny May's point of view 
but but yeah, I, I was sort of his younger lover. I was like an RAF yeah. pilot. And but can I just say you're brilliant in it? Oh, thanks very much. I, I appreciate I, that. Sadly, I was rush watching it before I because it was on last night. But I did a gig last night. Yeah, and yeah. So this morning I was trying to get through it to the. But, yeah. but I got about two thirds in. But I thought you did a beautiful performance. Oh, really wonderful and understated, and yeah. And um, I just I was just thinking, how did that? come about because it's not it, often a comedian yeah. gets given that sort of opportunity so early on in there yeah absolutely I think yeah. it came by I mean Jenny Duffy cast it with, with sort of Fergus O'Brien the director and, and she came to see my Edinburgh show and I think to, she probably saw a man dealing with sort of things or, yeah. or put a put, uh, I, basically the show was, was basically about me sort of dealing with a, a sort of self-oppression uh, that I had like keeping in secrets keeping in but and we're talking obviously about your award winning show that yeah. you, you but just before yeah so before we carry on with uh, Against the Law we should actually just talk a little bit yeah. about your yeah. um, your show because you're doing it again in Edinburgh this I'm year doing this it again. to show you yeah. what won uh, yeah. the award for and you're doing what a couple of weeks I'm doing the last 10 days I'm doing like the 18th to the 27th of August so and I'm doing it some summer hall Okay, cool. Um, so I'm wow. doing it because I did. Is that it like some huge, massive room? Yeah, it's a bit. I think it's 200 seats. But, oh, okay, but, but it, so it's not. It sounds like a thousand seats or something. It does. Sound a like summer a hall, room. and it also sounds very twee for <laughs> a show like yours. In the round as well. Yeah. Then it sort of feels like sort of in the round. <laughs> and that um, that show is. Uh, what would? How would you describe that show thematically? And uh, it's it's sort of a, a a dark piece of sort of comedy theater, sort of yeah. exploring. Uh, it, it explores sexual abuse, mm-hmm. um, uh, namely sexual abuse that I, I've suffered, and it sexual abuse not not so much the incident itself more the, the mental ramifications okay. when you go through something like that uh, and it's sort of and uh, you find comedy in that yeah, yeah. With, with, with difficulties <laughs> some, some critics may argue that I didn't but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you but, are uh, the worst PR machine for your own stuff <laughs> you terrible, know that you self deprecate <laughs> way too much I do don't you I you do I yeah. do I, I, get, I get told that you're all the brilliant, time you're brilliant Richard yeah, I, I you're get, amazing <laughs> you can do this I need you I need to get that you on a me, rec- yeah, recording yeah, device yeah. and listen to it every morning just before you go on but I, uh, with the rocky theme <laughs> but i um yeah it was it was uh yeah it was an interesting time i mean i, I mean i went out but it was it's was very dark show there's long periods of sort of seriousness in it uh, okay. because it has to be because you can't you can't just do a show about you abuse can't be and just just, just joke, abuse. joke, joke no. see you later yeah so there has to be sort of serious parts of it so it's sort of comedy and theater and it, it was sort of mad the way it sort of took off i i remember having a, a discussion with some of the people who were working on the show when i went up we got into the sort of venue and i remember uh, they were like, how are you feeling? It was the day before we were doing the sort of tech. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to them that I, 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 I was... I, I, that I, I really wanted to pull out and that I didn't I didn't want to go ahead with the month I didn't think it was going to get received well um, I, not only that but I thought it was going to completely destroy my mental health and uh, and I didn't feel like I was ready for it And, and uh, but I think those are the I think because I felt that way I, it made me sort of want to work through the, the sort of cathartic elements a bit more does, yeah. does that make sense? Of course um, so I had to sort of just I felt like because I kept the secret in for so long I mean a few close friends knew like close friends found members yeah. uh, knew but I would say uh, maybe a grand total of about five people um, so I was sort of opening this out to the world for, for, and, and you know when, when you still get neurotic about school friends and, mm-hmm. and you know university friends they're just people you just don't want to know the, the, those kinds of things and I was just I was almost having a, a walk in a sort of panic attack precipice like 24-7 uh, and then uh, and, and it sort of was and then I, I felt like instead of going around and, and sort of telling people one by one what happened to me and getting a sort of mini catharsis I thought, well, maybe if I throw all my chips on red and just do it in one big go, then yeah. maybe that will lead to sort of a bigger catharsis. Because every time you speak to someone about something, it feels, it feels yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. So then try speaking to 50 people a night. And 
I mean, it was uh, it was completely a lot of people. Is there not the fear that? that um, I mean, I, th- I obviously I think that's that, that there's so much truth in that, and uh, and it's commendable as well. But obviously, in the moments when you're feeling insecure about doing the show, is one of the worries that well, I'm really putting myself on the line. What if they don't laugh or like it? It's yes. not the same as just doing meaningless gags that they don't like. This is me. This yes. is me being yes. here. And yeah. if you don't like that, then it's a. Does it feel even more like rejection? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. It's, it's because you're sort of laying your soul bare, uh, and uh, you know you you sort of put all your stuff out there, and you know if, if, I suppose when you're a one-liner merchant, uh, which, which is great and a skill I wish I had, but 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 but. Uh, I suppose they're like, well, they didn't find it funny. And you come away being that they didn't find the jokes yeah. funny. But I suppose with this, when, when they didn't like it, and there, there were a few tough shows for sure, you, it, it did feel like a, a real sort of a personal sort of dent. And like, maybe I should. And I kept unraveling all the way through the month. I'd be like, this is a good idea. This is going well. And then I'd go back, be like, it's a terrible idea. What have I done? I can't take this and back. I'm not now. surprised. Yeah. Although I guess the flip side is you could say, look, I, you know, you're self aware enough to know that you're yeah. dealing with a tricky subject and it isn't going to be for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of and because we, I did a thing because I was so convinced that sexual abuse would would put people off yeah. the show that I didn't advertise it at all that way, and nor did I advertise it on on, on tour because I think it would put people off. Yeah, they can't what a comedy show, but it, it it sort of didn't make sense. So I think a lot of there were a lot of people who turned up completely surprised at yeah, what yeah. they were getting themselves into. I wanted to do a show. The last time I did a full length show, originally I wanted it to be about death. Yeah, um, yeah. I have a real sort of weird. It's not weird. I think everyone's scared of it. But yeah. like, I've all, I've had it since I was very young. So it's like, where does that come from? Yeah. But also, uh, a lot of male figures in my life have died relatively young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I, it was a bit of the show in the end. It wasn't the whole thing. But I had the same thing of like, how do you advertise that show without a load of people? Yeah. And then you sort of think, well, fuck it. Like. At yeah. least the people coming know what they're getting into. Yeah, but yeah. It's a, it is a difficult one because you yeah, do want yeah. bums on seats, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. It's a tricky line to tread of finding that balance. So that sounds like a really interesting, interesting show. So do you get sort of like can cast? Do you get that? Because I sort of get these like sort of psychosomatic. Do you think like you if you eat something and then it's going to like kill you in like eight hours, or you eat something you're like oh that's not sitting right, I'm going to die. Oh, I get all the time. Yeah, if yeah I've all got, kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. if you know like. <laughs> this is this is really personal, but like you know, I had uh, I had a pile once. I thought yeah. I had ass cancer and I was going to die. You know, it was like yeah, you yeah. know, you just jumped to the worst uh, oh, conclusion. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, totally. totally. Uh, can we say that? Is that all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a nod from um, all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so do you? Uh, so presumably, then, well, you just said you had the the casting director came to see that show, yeah, yeah. and she went, "Hey, there's a man who understands um, sexual." Uh, you know, fear and frustration yes, and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, repression and yeah, all these things. Absolutely. You know, he'd be perfect for. Is that? Yeah, did you? you presumably, I, you still read though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I went for an edition. I, it, it was kind of. Uh, yeah, she saw that and she must have seen. Well, there's a guy who's had an inward battle, and, and we can transfer mm-hmm. that to the other thing. But I, I still went. I read the script, and when I read it, I, I knew. It, I, I, you know, when you get a feeling when you get a script through, you, mm-hmm. you just sort of you you, you know. I, I know it's a cliche to say that, but but I sort of read it and thought that it was very powerful, and it was. Uh, I was very moved, sort of just reading it off a, a page. So so yeah, I, I worked really hard at the edition and sort of went in and read and. Uh, uh, didn't hear back for for like a week, and I started to be. I, I, I left the room. You know when you leave the room with confidence, it's so soul destroying. Because oh sometimes God. I have auditions thinking, that's it. 
Looking forward to that one called Life's Changed. <laughs> Get ready to move out my flat. I don't think written. I ever had that. And, but then, yeah. I, and, then, and then nothing happens. And then there's times when you've left and you're like, oh, that really could have gone better. And then you get like a recall or something. With this one, I was like, yep, that went well. Uh, left, went about a week later, I, I heard. But it was about a week of sort of... Was it something you really wanted as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really wanted it. I, I've always sort of... Because of the challenge of doing yeah. something so different. Yeah, and because my comedy is quite serious in a way, I always felt like I was a better serious actor than a comedy actor okay. in a way. But the irony is that people see me as a comedian. I see that label yeah. and they think, well, he'll play Mr... Handbags. That I don't know. Yeah. I, I like this. Mr. Keep talking, Mister Handbags. The handbag salesman. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you six half hours. Six I'm, half hours. I'm already on board. Uh, and uh, and then I get in, and then you have to be sort of quirky, and and and, and sometimes I just. I don't know. I've always felt like I was better at serious, so it was the first serious edition I'd had. So I I, I did work. Yeah, so hard it was really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so um, I wanted to ask a few questions. I, I so you play a, a gay guy in the, in this, and it's in an era when people were being arrested yeah. for being a homosexual. Yeah. Um, something I sort of started to get a sense of watching it was like, was it not? Like what were people uh, okay? Was it okay to be gay uh, in a t in a period before them? Was it just the fifties where there was this like witch hunt? I, I in my head I just thought it was always something that was sort of frowned upon until like the sixties seventies when they started to yeah. you know they changed the um, you know the laws and stuff yeah but it felt like there was in the fifties in particular there was a thing yeah yeah there was there was there was sort of um, I th I think you could admit to being a homosexual and admit that you have a problem and then you know you want you you can't be prosecuted for admitting to that and a lot of a lot of unhappy gay people would put themselves through treatment and all these kinds of things because they they felt they had a problem or they they felt that they had to admit they had a problem to yeah. avoid sort of law and like charges yeah, yeah. and all these kinds of things um, and uh, it, it was it was a complete witch hunt. It was it was a mad. I mean, uh, they, they, the Fergus O'Brien was great in sort of giving you the context to, to everything. But it, it was it was great. it was a time when uh, the police were releasing dossiers to the public how to spot a homosexual yeah. by the way they walk, yeah. by the way they talk, by the way they dressed. Um, there was and, and then crimes were abandoned. I mean, um, b back in the day, back in the 1950s, it was 10 years. If, if, if you were caught in, in the act, it was 10 years for for buggering, gross indecency. But it was five years rape so so the whole thing was completely out of wow. I mean it's absolutely mad and then I was going to do a terrible joke there about <laughs> a good time for rapists but um, <laughs> yeah yeah that is, that is so fucked up isn't yeah, it yeah yeah it's real it's it's really fucked up and then there were all these kind of mad stuff like there was this um, I think there was a, a guy called Rupert Croft someone and Joseph Alexander there was these two two men who, who had a relationship with two sort of RAF cooks if I, mm -hmm. and the cooks came to and stayed with them in Sussex and they had to get back to their camp but they I don't know a vehicle broke down or something so they stole two bikes and they were arrested for theft and then all of a sudden the police were like well hold on what, what were you doing in, in Sussex with these two men so all of a sudden the theft was abandoned to sort of pursue them right. as homosexuals so it was a complete it was yeah. almost like a purge it was almost um like McCarthy, McCarthyism levels yeah. of like rooting them out and sort of publicly shaming them. Uh, so it was. It, it, it seemed, and, and and with the real testimony in the show, it seemed like a real desperate time to be sort of battling with your sexuality. Is and, it? And um, it feels like. It, I don't know if there's anything connected to the whole post-war thing. There was because there's the Alan yeah. Turing thing, and he yes, went through all the same yes, stuff. And yeah. imagine that, like actually choosing to be, um, you know. What's the word? Chem when chemically castrated. Yeah, yeah, rather than like deny that you're a homosexual or something. It, it's it's, it's insane. It's, and only fifty years ago, which is yeah. the thing that still sort of boggles my mind. Did um, 
I, I really love the device of mixing the drama, the the um, the not the you know like the fictionalized or the uh, dramatized ver- bits yeah, with the yeah. talking heads. Yeah. I thought that was a, an effective thing. Yeah. And it was interesting seeing some of the people talk about you know who are alive now who remember it back then that obviously it was horrible it was awful but it was also interesting to hear people talk about some of the positive elements of like what it was like then like there was this secret club that actually was kind of exciting and the other thing that fascinated me was when they were talking about how it was a classless yeah, yeah. Underworld, because yeah. it didn't matter where you were from, your common connection where you were all gay yeah. and, and had yeah. this thing that you had to hide. So people would be having relations with someone that yeah. you wouldn't in normal life. Yeah, which absolutely. I thought was, I'm glad you picked up on that. I, yeah. pick, I pick up on that, and I, I think a lot of that is overlooked because some of the themes are so heavy. It, it did seem like, uh, whereas the stakes were so high, like an exceptionally exciting and, and inclusive place to be, uh, as you say, sort of without class. Uh, I, I remember one of the gentlemen in the in the uh, show. I can't remember his name, but he, he talks about you know there was a constant excitement on a daily basis. Obviously, the stakes are high, but if you're fleeing the police on a sort of daily basis, mm. then. Uh, so it's then there's an excitement there to it as well. Of course, there's, there's added lust. There's Obviously, added they're not they're not saying that. Oh, I wish it was like back. It's like when my grandparents used to talk about the war. Obviously, they didn't ever want the war back. Yeah, but they yeah. did say there was this flip side, which was everyone felt like a community. People cared about each other. Yes, and yes. I do think it's you know it's interesting when you talk about some of the positives in. A horrible situation and that was obviously yeah. some of them yeah um yeah. did you was it stuff that you learned about that you just didn't know about before um yeah I, I i knew roughly about it but 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 i mean they'll never know what it's like to um to uh have somebody stop in front of you when you're on a tube i mean uh, yeah <laughs> and then you bash into the, bash into the back <laughs> <laughs> um that's uh, in a different so, so yeah that's a whole different thing so so, so uh, next time they start moaning <laughs> yeah, yeah no i mean i, I knew i knew some uh, I, I knew some about it and it was uh i, I knew more because of this and I knew, i'd heard of against the law uh, through mm. through doing the english degree that it was a seminal sort of piece of work in, in the sort of gay rights movement um I, I i knew that it was it was intense and 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 this stuff the stuff homosexuals were subjected to was 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 bad but that bad i mean mm. i mean there was there, a man talks about how he 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 was given an injection uh, and then he was chained to a bed uh, for 72 hours but is this punishment or pleasure this is punishment okay pleasure, sort of perversion <laughs> therapy so he was he was given an injection and he he's chained to a bed and uh he uh, is pete, pete, pete price who's actually a radio dj up in liverpool yeah um and they chain him to a bed and they they, they give him images to, to sort of that they believe are, are arousing images of men and they inject him with this um uh, like this, 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 this drug or this injection, this aversion mm. injection, and he's like, "Well, I need to be sick," and they're like, "Well, go ahead then." And he's so he has to be sick on himself, and he's like, "Well, I need to be sick again," uh, and they're like, "Go ahead," and he's like, "Can I have a bucket?" They're like, "No, just be sick," and then he's sick on himself. <laughs> then he's like, "I think I need a shit," and they're like, "Just go ahead." And so, seventy-two hours later of that. He said there was nothing left, like nothing coming out, yeah. no water, no poo, no vomit. He's just lying in his own mess for 72 hours. And he said it was, it, I mean, it just sounds, it's the most desperate thing. Like It'll bring, bring tears to... But does that actually, know. that's like the shock therapy thing, isn't it? It's like yeah. the, um, uh, the clockwork orange thing of like, exactly, you know, but yeah. does that actually work? That's I don't, what I don't know. Surely can't work. Because I just think work. in the back of your mind, you're probably still thinking 
your yeah. natural because like it's just how you feel right yeah yeah exactly exactly if anything it probably just makes you even more fucked up like, yeah yeah you haven't got rid of what you really feel but yeah. now you've got all this added information yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> so absolutely. it's just the worst of all cases yeah yeah um, absolutely um yeah I, I doubt it i doubt it works but, I, but i'm sure i mean it completely traumatizes you into probably not not doing it again because you yeah. don't want to do that again so i mean maybe it works on that front but it certainly i don't think it doesn't change your mind yeah exactly yeah, yeah. that's it's crazy it's, what's even more crazy is just that that is still sort of probably not in that way but still going on like you hear about especially in america gate conversion yep. and stuff yeah and, yeah madness. i mean in chechnya at the moment you know like 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 there, there, there is a similar post going on there There's, is there yeah there were homosexuals being electrocuted and beaten with pipes in front of their families oh, right. and all kinds of stuff i mean it sounds it just sounds desperate so your next role you're going to be playing an uber heterosexual just to sort of <laughs> you know like to balance out yeah you <laughs> don't want to be tie cast or <laughs> and it'll be a comedy role it'll be a comedy role <laughs> Um, no, I, honestly, I thought you were brilliant in it, and oh, um, very it's much. a very well-made show. Um, can't wait to watch the last fifteen. I hate abandoning things, especially if I'm talking to the person. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was great. What, so, what did you get up to? Where were you? Um, it was shortly after the um, robbery had happened, you know, and he'd been yes arrested, yeah. and yeah. it was just shortly after that. So I think about forty minutes in or yeah. something. Um, yeah. So uh, so. On as as you know, because I texted you about this, we do this thing where we get guests to talk about things that. Uh, well, actually, I asked you to do something we haven't done before. I wanted you to before we ask you about your guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to give the audience some idea of what people loved or something that inspired them, so that they don't just base you on the yeah. guilty pleasure. You know, yeah, and yeah. Um, you said something that was very important to you growing up. Yeah, was uh, Laurel and Hardy. Oh, I, I mean Laurel and Hardy. I've seen them all. Have I, you? Yeah, yeah. Are yeah. you a fan? I, I was a fan growing up, yeah, but I only yeah. ever really saw like the you know they used to do like the compilation yes, stuff on yes. TV, and yeah. I never really then went back and watched the films yeah. in their entirety and stuff. Yeah. But um, I mean, I, I don't I don't go back now because I have such fond memories of of, of, a, of a kid, and I think now now growing is such a cynic. I'm not sure. I you know you, I, I, you always worry that you go back and then you have a so cynical mind. You, you know. That? Yeah. So I sort of leave it, but there, there, there are two. There are two uh, films that I, I, I do watch time and time again because I do think they, they stand the test of time. And it's Way Out West mm -hmm. and the Music Box. And I just I just remember they they just. Well, Way Out West is the one that a lot of people yeah. reference. Isn't it's it? the most famous one. It's yeah, the famous yeah. one. But and um, Music Box. Why that one? I don't know. I think it's one of the more obscure ones. I just remember watching it as a kid. There was everything from they, they're just trying to get a piano up the stairs. That's, yeah. that's really the premise. And people keep coming down the stairs and they argue with people. They have to go back. I knew we could down. do that now. It's just it's just <laughs> yeah I know it's just brilliant. And, I uh, need 60 million for yeah. a movie. What is it? I reckon We're trying to get a piano up the stairs. <laughs> I reckon every TV commissioner in the world would turn down the yeah. hardly now, you know. Yeah. But it's um, they, they they come out and then you know the, the, it's very simple premise. I mean, a man comes down and he's like, move out the way, and they think he's rude, so they're not going to move out his way, yeah. and then they get in shenanigans, and then a, a pretty lady passes, and they they they, they will pathetically move out of her way, yeah. sort of thing. And uh, it ties up nicely, and the dynamic between them is really good, and they hit each other. And I just remember my mom would talk about sitting at the bottom of the stairs, and and she would listen to just me laughing, like oh, just constantly at the music box, and it, it's it just at just that young age, and I think that was probably yeah. the, the the start of a love for comedy. My thing with them was as a kid, I Stan Laurel was my favorite. I just thought yes. he was hilarious. Yes. And then as I became more like a teenager, second half of teens, and I understood different types of comedy. Yeah. I then realised that it was 
Oliver Hardy, who was the yes, funny one. Totally, totally, you know the yeah. delusions of grandeur and the pomposity. And yes, the, yeah, yeah. He, he's uh, yeah. sort of the more the, the more human of the two. Yeah, right? and you realise that Stan Laurel works so well because of Oliver, yeah. Oliver Hardy. Like, yeah. I think it's the Stan Laurel show wouldn't be. As, yeah. as, as powerful if, if he didn't have sort of totally. Oliver to sort of contrast with they're doing a film aren't they with uh, Steve Coogan and John C. Riley uh, as Laurel and Hardy yes because they were fi- they film it yeah. in London yeah. aren't they yeah yeah, yeah. I, uh, John C. Riley actually turned up at a comedy night to see me die on my hole no <laughs> yeah he came oh, the no. about, I think it was alright I think it was alright but he was sort of up in the, up in the when I did sketch comedy years we're talking 1998 or 99 or something yeah. and we had a bit of buzz about us we were in Edinburgh one year me and Electric uh, Eel Electric Eel yeah. well remembered you would have been about nine then or something well, 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 yeah maybe, maybe what year was it 1999 99, so I would have been nine, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> so good guess. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, we had one night where it was like the head of comedy from the BBC, which was a big thing because we had no real TV connections at the time. Yeah. Um, uh, a reviewer was in, a, a producer who we had met, who we really liked and wanted to work with, and Steve Coogan. They all came in to see the wow, show. Wow. We. And we had never sold out for the whole run. It was always uh, like half full. Yeah. And we were behind the curtain and it sold out. And we're amazing. like, our luck is changing because all these amazing people are in the room. Yeah. But it sold out. Yeah. Well, this is it. Brilliant. This is going to happen. We go out and perform to silence for an hour. Really? Oh, I hate it those was <laughs> the w- probably one of the worst nights. Uh, did, of- it, did it come to anything? Like, no. did they? <laughs> they all went. Really? Oh, well, they obviously aren't very good. <laughs> Oh, it was awful. Well, was it and then I met Steve Coogan a couple of days later. Yeah, yeah. And it was an awkward conversation where I was like, oh, you're the guy I saw die the other night. And it's like, did, oh. did he say that? No, he didn't say that. That was the story I was telling myself. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. look, we do need to wrap up. But uh, so your guilty pleasure. Tell us your guilty pleasure, Richard. Uh, and, uh, WWE wrestling, without any doubt. And it's amazing, but that you don't sound like it's. A, you actually sound proud about that. Yeah, but but but, but I'm proud because I'm finally you know come to terms with it. Yeah, I've, I've come is it the, because uh, people think it's naff or it's a bit silly? That's why yeah, you're putting it in that bracket and all kinds of things. I mean, people just think it's lame and they mm-hmm. think it's something that kids enjoy. But I think it's. I think it's re- really smart, sort of television, smart programming. I, yeah, everyone like it's. It's just it's it's simple, good versus evil. You can get big characters pushed to to the, the massive archetypes, and I mean, I've spent ridiculous money on wrestling. I mean, I've gone to WrestleMania like thirty, and I, I was in New Orleans and all kinds of things. And um, it's been when I grew up as a kid, I thought I was going to grow out of it, but but it just I never grew out of it. And all my friends did, and then well, me and my one other friend just stayed. Just stay with it. Have you through. seen Glow, the TV series? On no, Netflix. About, I, I want to about the, the female, female wrestlers. wrestlers. Yeah. It's so good. I love it. it. Right, I absolutely. I'll, I mean, I'll it, it's a lot of people are on. Uh, well, I think there's a bit of a split. Some people love it, some people hate it. But I'm a huge fan of it. Love it. And it actually made me understand a bit about wrestling. Like, yeah. there's one character, a woman who says, Oh, it's like a soap opera. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just have yeah. these big, very simple, broad, top line stories yeah, about yeah. the bad person and the good person, and, and then they fight. And yeah, it's like yeah, that. The yeah. one thing I don't get about it, I've got yeah. to be honest, is how people get so riled up when yes. you know they're not really properly being hurt. I know they're getting hurt yeah, by proxy. Yeah. 
just because it's, it's but they're not actually thing. punching them hard in the face yeah it's a strange thing sort of like transcendental it, it almost does what you said I think because we become so invested in the characters over time like if you think about it it's uh, we get invested in a Game of Thrones character for five seasons, but if you think about Triple H has been around for like twenty years, yeah. So, so you're invested in how it's almost like you feel part of his storyline. Okay. I sort of don't get it, but every time I go along, I don't know how they do it, but I'm at my seat every single time. Who's it's your, incredible? Who's your favorite? Probably CM Punk. He's kind of a new. Well, he's not really new. He was around for a long time, but he's. What's his vibe? His vibe is he's sort of a bit anti-authority, sort of. Um, says fuck you to the system and he's mm. sort of he, he he was very famous for sort of going off microphone I, I couldn't tell whether it was staged or not but but he, he famously sl- was leaving the company and he slammed the company on the microphone on, live on sort of television and weirdly it sort, of, it sort of made his career sort of he became sort of part of a company but also was anti that company even though he worked for them and it built to this amazing match I think Money in the Bank 2011 I think it was was the, yeah. the, and it was just it was like box office smash and it was an amazing match Has anyone thought of doing a sort of Brexit Remain uh, wrestling uh, gimmick. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> I actually think that there is a there's a, somebody's con- cottoned onto the idea of being a liberal. You know the outrage sort of yeah. culture that we we now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I God, think a wrestler yeah. like gets on the microphone in like deep South America and is sort of like acts outraged. Good, good gimmick. I yeah. reckon a pro Brexit gimmick yeah. would be would be a real. Well, um, and you're doing a wrestling thing up in Edinburgh, right? Yeah, so you're doing yeah. a show the last week, but you're also going to do this thing that's yeah. become a bit of an institution, right? Yeah, yeah. So they do it every two years, Max and Ivan, and they uh, they they're a sketch group in their own right. But they do the uh, they're doing the wrestling show, and they've asked me to be part. So I'm playing a villain. Uh, I'm in a ladder match. Hence so, the tash. Yeah, hence the mustache. Yeah. yeah. But you and had a tash last night in that as well. So you're obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, might, I might keep it. Who yeah, knows? you're getting work with the tash. <laughs> with the tash. Don't <laughs> shave it off. Yeah, whatever I will, you do. I'll keep it. Um, so that. That's, that's the 15th of August at the Pleasance yeah yeah. okay so I'm looking forward to that that's who like else a, is in that um, James A. Caster Joel yep. Domit uh, Stuart Goldsmith mm-hmm. John Hastings uh, Max Nirvan themselves uh, Tom Parry no it's ladies good, good, good bunch of no good, gorgeous ladies oh, yeah, of the, wrestling the, uh, Jenny Beads in it okay um, they they have a sort of mixed tag team match so women and and, yeah. and, and men facing against each other and, and do you have to practice and rehearse and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. I've been practicing and rehearsing and, and, and does, doing all kinds of things and do people ever have uh, injuries or yeah I mean I've, I've, I've sort of got well it's sort of faded now but I think Starts every time taking I, his clothes just, off <laughs> and showing me his scars <laughs> every time I go you get I mean the mat is hard I yeah. think people think that they're, they're chucking themselves on a trampoline but I mean, it, it is it is killer. I can't believe they do it like seven days a week. But wow. Uh, but yeah, it hurts. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Yeah, I could have actually to chatted to you for longer. We've done longer than we needed, but I think we've probably got a show there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we uh, just to play us out. Let's uh, talk about your second song. Um, you've picked. Why don't you tell uh, the listeners what you picked? Yeah, I picked uh, Stereophonics, Handbags and Glad Rags. I was going to pick the sort of Rod Stewart version. Yeah. But it's sort of, I love the Stereophonics, but I also love The Office. But I, I think the Rod Stewart version's not as good as the Stereophonics version. Which is probably quite controversial to It's probably quite controversial. I know the Stereophonics hate the Handbags and Glad Rags version that they did themselves. Really? And they refuse to play it now. Oh, but right. I think it was brilliant. I, I, I loved that album. I think it was called Just Enough Education to Perform. Is that what it was I called? I don't know. I've never, I've never really... I don't dislike them. I've just never yeah. been... Fan or anything, but um, but the uh, the office, yeah, it was amazing. The weird thing about this song for me is I now can only associate it with uh, with the office and the bit that they used in the office theme tune with the I think it's like an oboe or some sort of wood instrument or something, yes, yeah, it sounds so sitcom y 
to me like a sitcom yes, opening does, time yeah. that when I hear that song I, c- I almost can't take it seriously it's like a rock band's playing a sitcom theme tune yeah yeah like that'll I mean? be there for you I mean they probably couldn't be taken seriously no. what were, what, those guys who did the Friends what were they, what were they called it again? wasn't the Rembrandt yeah, no it was, was Rembrandt. It Rem- I think Rembrandt? it was Rembrandt that's, that's really good, good memory <laughs> Um, But yeah, I agree with you. It sort of does. I always make you think of The Office. Do you think the Rembrandts play shows and it's just silence until they get to that song? (laughs) Everyone cheers and then silence again where everyone fucks off. Do you reckon they open and close with it? (laughs) (laughs) And all the songs in between are it. Yeah. Yeah. They just do that over and over. Wow. Wow. But I bet they're not, you know, too bothered about the money they're 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 getting. Wow. Let's talk about that another time about how much money other people earn um okay well this is handbags and glad rags richard uh, it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for um me. i hope it goes well up in edinburgh uh, the, the 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 show and the wrestling thanks very much if you enjoyed this podcast please don't forget to rate and review us on itunes